Good to have you with us here today. My name is Tim. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. Uh, we're in a series called Meeting Jesus. We've been looking at uh, people that uh, have met Christ and what happens next. You know, Jesus, when you think about Jesus, you think about the crowds, of course. But Jesus met a lot of people face to face. To face and the Gospels record those for our benefit. They want us to see that not only did Jesus have a crowd relationship, many of you here have a crowd relationship with me. Few of you have a personal relationship with me. And Jesus had the same thing going on there too. He had a crowd relationship, but he also had an individual or a very intimate relationship with a lot of individual people. Over 40 people are recorded in the Gospels of meeting Jesus face to face. That's something to remember. God wants us to know that Jesus is not just interested in knowing the masses, but knowing you personally and getting to know you in a personal way. Jesus did not see people. We've learned it so far in this series. When he saw people, he didn't see them as problems or projects or prospects. He just saw them as people. And and that's really what we are should be about here at Greater Alton. It's about people, folks. It's not about, oh, here's my prospect. Here's a project. Here's a person with a lot of problems. Jesus saw past that. He saw a person. And um, he sees you. He sees a person that he loves dearly. And he wants us to do the same with those around us. It's interesting to me is when I've been looking at this series, I have no idea where these lessons are going to go. I just We pick a few people. We've only picked 13 or 12 people to look at. But you never know what you're going to find when you're researching. I started thinking about all the places that Jesus met people. I mean, he met people. It's amazing all the different places that Jesus would have an encounter with somebody. It could be at a hillside. It could be uh, near a landmark like the temple. He he, He met people at lakes and beaches. He met people in cemeteries. He met a demon-possessed man that lived in the cemetery. There's there's a hoot, okay? He he met he met people in mountains, um, in homes, in the marketplace. But probably one of the places that doesn't come to my mind, and maybe it doesn't, maybe it comes to your mind quickly. Doesn't come to my mind so quickly is that is that a very unusual place that he would meet someone, and that's at the cross. At, at this place outside of town where they executed people, Jesus met people there. And when you read the accounts of the cross and you read about the Gospels and how it's all, how all the details there, you know, he's talking to his mother there, he's talking to his best friend there, John, he's talking to the, to the people in general, he's praying to God, but he's meeting, there's somebody he's meeting at this, at this crazy, bad, Place of the skull is what it's called, and why it's called that I don't know. No one's really sure. Was it like, um, you know, uh, is it is it in Goonies or is it uh, in the Raiders of the Lost Ark where he's running in some place uh, or the Mummy or whatever? And it, there's a and the place is shaped like a giant skull head. You know, was there some landmark there that made it look like a skull? They called it the place of the skull. The Greek language behind this place called Calvary is the word we get cranium, head, skull. And so it's, it's so what, what made it the place of the skull? Was it because of all the horrible things done in this location? Because this is where you executed people. And maybe that's why they called it the place of death, maybe, or the place of the skull. No one's really sure why it's given that name. It's a public place. It's very important to remember. Jesus was not crucified in a room somewhere inside of a prison where everybody else is outside protesting. 
No, he's, he's right out there in the open, in public. It happens to be, the place of the skull happens to be a public place that has a road, a major thoroughfare where people would walk and use often, and it's especially used during the time of the crucifixion. It's a very popular place, a lot of high traffic. So when people are, uh, when Christ is crucified, people are walking by, lots of people. That's where you get the crowds jeering at him and stopping and gawking and looking and, and things of that nature. So this is, is a very bad place. It's, I don't know how you are when it comes to uh, executions. I know some of you, you know, I, I'm ashamed to tell you this. I've tried to watch these videos online of, of um, these gruesome Accidents. I can't do it. I can't watch motorcycle guys flying through the air in their line. I just got to stop. I go, ah, that's enough of that. Somebody will say, there's a real cool video on blah, 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 breakyourleg.com. And I'm going, oh, really? And so I'll, get, so I'll go, okay. And I'm like, I go, oh, and I'm done within 30 seconds. I've, I've seen enough. And some of you could watch it all the time. I don't know how you do it. This is a gruesome place here. This place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And and it's in a, such a terrible place, uh, such a bad place, something beautiful is happening. Something wonderful and something good. And Jesus is about to meet someone. And it's not just his mom or his best friend or the crowds or the centurion that sits there and goes, Wow, surely he's the Son of God by watching the way he dies, watching the way he lives. No, it's a criminal of all people. It's a thug. It's a gangster. It's 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 a it's a it's a armed armed uh, uh, armed robber who has killed someone and he's sentenced to death and he meets two of them now Pilate when he, when this crucifixion takes place um, he does this on purpose he puts a thief on each side of Jesus on purpose. Almost like he's trying to say it's guilt by association. I want to make you want to make somebody look bad. Put a couple of bad people around them. You know, if you want to make something look good, put a couple of good things. Well, Pilate, he he has no respect for the Jews. He 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 finds them as a big pain, and so uh, what he does is he has a thief put on Jesus's left and Jesus's right, and it's to humiliate the king of kings he puts above it king of the Jews and of course you know the Jews go hey oh, take that sign down no that's what he that's what he is and almost almost like he's saying to the Jews look if this is your king what are you he's a criminal he's a crook look at him I got crooks around him he's, we put him in with the other crooks and he's no different than you you reflect your king it's like he's humiliating the Jewish people too. Now I've got to tell you something. Pilate's got something right. He's got something right here. The king does represent his people. The king does represent his people. How's that, Tim? Jesus is guilty and innocent at the same time. Think about that. He's guilty of not his own crime, but your crime, my crime. Your sins, my sins. But he's yet he's innocent. And, and guys, as followers of the King of Kings, we are guilty and innocent because of Him. We deserve what we get. 
Right? We don't deserve the love of God, the grace of God. We don't deserve forgiveness. We deserve to be killed, to be condemned. The wages of sin is death. That's what Romans 6 says. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise God. Amazing. Isn't that something? So you and I, we reflect the King. We reflect this King that's dying on the cross. And, 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 and guys, the more you look at what happened on the cross, the more you see what your King um, has done and is doing on the cross, the more you get an idea of what He wants you to be on yours. Because you represent, He represents you. He, Pilate's right about that. But Pilate's wrong that he's guilty of something he's done. So here he is. There's a story of Jesus between two thieves. This is a controversial story for a lot of folks in, in, in Christianity. They want to talk about baptism for some reason. They want to talk about, was the guy baptized? Well, if he was saved, was he baptized or not? I, I remember when Denise was studying with me, and she'd say, Tim, you need to be baptized to be saved. I'd say, well, what about the thief on the cross? And I'd bring that up, and she goes, what's the thief on the cross got to do with that? has nothing to do with it because Jesus hadn't died yet and he never commanded baptism as something you had to do until after he resurrected. So this thief is dying during a time of the Old Testament. That's all I'm going to say. Here's why I'm not going to say much more about that. You ever read a passage before and you've got all your preconceived and all your ammunition and all your ideas and you bring it to the passage and you miss what it's really about? I've done that hundreds of times. And today I don't want to do that to this passage. I don't want to do what Luke has taken the time to meticulously write down in detail, talk about something else. I want to talk about the passage if we can. I want to learn something from this criminal. I want to learn something that he learned being on a cross with our Savior. Let's look, look we're going to read right now. If you've got a Bible, or I think we've got it up on screen. Do we have it up on the screen, Luke 23? Hot dog, look at this. You can read it up here if you like to. This is the NIV. But if you don't trust it, which I can understand, read it out of your own Bible. It says here in Luke 23, 30, verse 32. We're going to start in verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they did not know what they're doing. It's believed that Jesus prayed this prayer more than once. But he said this more than once. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching. That's those people walking by. And the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's, the, if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? He's picked this up from the crowd. Oh, you're the Messiah? Well, then save yourself and us while you're at it. Come off the cross and while you're at it, take us off too. Typical crook. Get us off. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? What a question. What a question from a criminal. Don't you fear God? Question you need to answer this morning. Do you fear God? He said, don't talk to this guy like that. Don't you fear God? He's saying, what's the, what's the criminal doing? He's saying, look, 
What are we doing hurling insults at Jesus for? We're dying with Him. We're going to be dead in a few hours too. He starts thinking about eternity. Don't you fear God? Since you are under the, he says, since you're under the same sentence, we're in the same boat here. We are punished justly. For we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. How does he know that? Maybe he's heard somebody say that. Maybe he's watched Jesus while he's being crucified. And he's not... You know, a lot of times when, you got, when, you're, when you're getting crucified, the, 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 the criminals or the people that were being crucified would cuss and scream and holler at the crowd and make threats. Remember, was it in First Peter? When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. He made... He, he, you know, when... Yeah, he didn't, he didn't retaliate. He made no threats when he suffered. He made no threats. Jesus didn't... He lived on the cross. He lived and died the way the Son of God would. And maybe that's what he, the criminal's noticing this. He's done nothing wrong. He hears him saying, Father, forgive them what they're doing. He hears the way he talks to his mother. Mom, here's my best friend. And I want... You know, would you take care of him like a son? And John, take care of my mom. He's not thinking about how to get even. Justification. Justifying what it, why he's up on the cross. He's not responding to the, to the insults. All I know is this guy says, this guy's done nothing wrong. He sees that in Jesus now. Then he said, Jesus. He didn't say Lord. Some of the translators say Lord. Lord's not in there. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Oh my. There's, there's a sermon right there. He's saying, remember me. Please notice me. Mercy, have mercy on me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. You're a king. You're a king. You have a kingdom. And, it's after, and, and, and that kingdom exists after death. And I remember me when you, as a king, you can call the shots in your kingdom. Remember me when you go into your kingdom. And what's Jesus say? Ah, oh, well, he answers him. That to me is the most exciting part of the passage. You say, what? He answered him. Jesus wants to talk to me. Jesus wants to answer me. No matter how bad you can be, no matter how bad you can get, Jesus will answer you. Oh, praise God. He says today, not later, not some other time. Today, you will be with me. Today, now, with me in paradise. I don't know what your view of paradise is. Everybody's got their own view. That's where the people go before they go to heaven. Uh, that's, a, uh, that's where, I'll, you know, you can, whatever you think paradise is. You know, paradise, well, Paul talks about being caught up in the third heaven in paradise. You know, uh, uh, what about the Garden of Eden? That was paradise. Paradise is where Jesus is. That's all that matters to me, and I want to be there. You can have any concept you want of paradise, but make sure Jesus is in it. Okay? Just make sure He's there, because that's why it's paradise. That's why Garden of Eden was so cool. God walked among, walked among man and woman. No wonder it was a perfect place. And Jesus answers this guy and says, I'm telling you, today, you and I are going to be together. You've got nothing to worry about six hours from now, buddy. We'll still be together in a beautiful place. What can I learn from this guy? What can I learn? I think I've got down on your notes. What can I learn from the criminal? Could you cross out from and put with? Because as fellow criminals, 
Because we've been bad. Right? As fellow criminals, what can we learn? What can we learn with the criminal on the cross? As we as Christians bear our cross every day, look over to the Son of God on His cross, what can we learn from this bad, terrible place called Golgotha? Let me tell you three things I believe are very important for us to get from this meeting, this encounter with Jesus. The first one is, it's never too late to share the good news. It's never too late to share the gospel with someone. That just leaps out. This guy, this, this criminal is being executed. He, what's that? His society is saying, we've tried everything. We've done everything we can think of. There's nothing left to do. You're too far gone. We're just going to get rid of you. We are done with you. Not Jesus Jesus isn't done. To Jesus, He's not too far gone. And not to Jesus. Why well, He came to seek and to save the lost. That's what He says in Luke 19. I came to seek and to save the lost. He says somewhere else, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And Jesus is doing exactly what He came to do on that cross with those two thieves. He's still looking. This thief is watching Jesus, and he sees Jesus looking and sees his mother, sees his best friend, sees the crowd. Sees, hears him praying, Father, he's pushing against these nails. And by the way, for, them, for him to speak, to exhale, he has to push against the nails to talk. So these seven statements he makes, he's making an incredible pain. He's fighting pain to say these things. And they're the most incredible statements you could... That I want to die like that. I would love to die like that. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Mom. Buddy. To be... Guys, it's painful. It's painful to forgive people. It's painful to say goodbye to your mother. And your best friend. It is painful to, to admit. Sometimes it's very difficult and painful. You've got to admit. To admit that you need something from someone. That you're powerless. I thirst. You follow me now? It's in this painful, cruel, heinous place It's just it's, that Jesus is... Instead of thinking of Himself going, you know, I've, I think I've paid my dues. I think I'm just going to sit here. You know, you're all killing me now, so I'm just going to shut up and die, and you all can just go to you know where. But no. He's still looking for that opportunity. They're humiliating this man. Come off that cross, you think you're such big stuff. And he could. He could have stopped any minute. When I was a kid, there was a, a show called Bewitched. Samantha Stevens would wiggle that nose. Elizabeth Montgomery, tinkle, 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 and everybody would freeze. That's what I'd do if I was Jesus. Tinkle, tinkle, tinkle. Who said that? Get off the cross. Who said that? And there's this guy. he got his mouth open. You're the guy that said it, didn't you? <laughs> tinkle, tinkle, tink. And then the guy in freezes. Oh, what happened? <laughs> I would, that's what I'd do. <laughs> I'm not a very good son of God, see. 
Not Jesus. He's thinking about eternal things. He's staying on the cross. He's not going to let some insulter pull him off the cross. He is doing some, he's, he has to stay on that cross because he's dying for all of mankind. And he's still looking. I think it's something that Pilate, he thinks, well, look at this, I'll put a thief here and I'll put a thief here. And the image will say he's guilty. You know what the image really says? That God, that whether I want God or not, I have access to Jesus. Equal access for the one who surrenders and the one who's stubborn. That God says, I'll give you that opportunity. You choose. Everybody gets that choice. Now, I know I'm talking to many of you who are in the choir. You've made the choice to surrender. I'm trying to get you to see that Jesus doesn't have a problem having a criminal that is stubborn near him because he feels there's always the chance, always the opportunity. You follow me now? That's what we should be learning here. Look at our Lord. He's, he's, he's looking at it's never too late. It's never too late. I could, there may be an opportunity here. I mean, he's six hours, guys. He is six hours from dying, and he still works in, somehow saves somebody. He saves somebody before he dies. You don't do that accidentally. In your pain and my pain, in our little painful world, I'd say little compared to the Christ, you know, all the things that take up our mind, you know, that take up our focus, Jesus says, I set them aside, Tim, because there's one thing on my mind, and that is the lives of people. It's about people, stupid. That's what he'd say to me. It's about people, Tim. It's not about, you know, all this fancy stuff, or the PowerPoint, or the building, or the. It's about the people. He says here, the, the criminal says, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him. He saw the opportunity. And he says, I tell you today you'll meet me in paradise. Sometimes, guys, we give up on people. Would you agree with that? Sometimes we say to ourselves, and I want to tell you, to my shame, I admit, I admit to you, I have said it and I still do it. It's not right. They're too far gone. They've had their chance. You know, I've tried, I've tried reaching out to them, but they were rude to me. Well, you've had your chance. <laughs> They're too far gone. They'll never become Christians. They're too hard to reach. So what happens when we do this? We eventually quit. We quit inviting them to church. We quit praying for them. We quit looking for them. When we see them, we quit going to them. We're no longer looking for that opportunity to share good, some good news. Some good news about Jesus. The criminal is watching, and as Jesus is dying, he sees him looking and loving people. Why is Jesus still looking and loving people just a few hours before his death? Because it's not too late to share the gospel. As long as there's a heart beating, and as long as there is a person breathing, there's a chance that someone might turn to God. Like I told you before, he pushes against the nails to tell this man, 
you'll meet me in paradise. Leading people to Christ is not easy. Leading people to Jesus is hard. And sometimes it's painful. If there's anything I've learned the last five years, six years, it's just painful. It's too painful. There's resistance that I have to push against. Personal pain. Some of you here used to share your faith so much, but because some people have fell away or have left, it's hurt you so much, you don't want to share your faith with anybody more because it hurts too much. Admit it. Just admit it. Leading people to Christ is hard. Leading people to Christ is painful. And why is Jesus pushing against the nails? Why is he talking to this man? Why is he wanting to share good news with this man? Why, Jesus? Because, Tim, it's never too late. And I've got to set my stuff aside if I, want to, if I want to make an impact on this criminal. This criminal's needing me. And he needs me to ignore my suffering. I read, this artic- I read an article this week that I found very disturbing. It disturbed me personally. He said, today it seems to be in vogue. A lot of Christians, it's about doing good. Because we want to be the good guys in our society. We want to be the good guys. So let's do something good. So we do all this good stuff. But we don't share good news. We're not talking about Jesus, but we're doing good things. And he said this. The guy said, doing good things without sharing good news is insulting the cross. How is that? Jesus did both from the cross. He did something good. That don't even sound worthy of saying, huh? Did something great. But he shared good news. And guys, now by the way, sharing good news and not doing good things, that's hypocrisy. There's the other side of that now. But Jesus did both. And when, I, when I'm sitting here on my cross that I bear every, every day, and I look over at Jesus on His, when I think that way, and I start looking by my imagination and that spiritual thought process, I, I hear from Christ reminding me, Tim, don't ever, ever, ever give up on the people you love, because it's never too late. You don't know. You never know. Listen, guys, some of your people, some of your loved ones, your family, your friends, the people you work with, they could waste their whole life like this criminal did and at the last minute turn to God. The question is, will you be a part of making that possible? Will you be that person that looks for that opportunity? Or will you simply give up? Guys, it's never too late to share the gospel with someone. Paul tells Timothy these words in 2 Timothy 4 2. Now the King or the King James and NIV, it sounds too preacher focused. Preach the word. Be instant be in season out of season, blah blah blah. I'm sorry I made fun of that. That's not right. But look at this. Here's the ERV. Look how the ERV says it. Because I think he's telling Timothy it not just his role as a preacher, but as a role as a, a as a disciple. 
Tell everyone God's message. Be ready at all times to do whatever is needed. Do you see sharing the good news and doing good things in that verse? I see both of them in there. Tell everyone God's message. There's the sharing. Be ready at all times to do whatever is needed. There's the good things. Maybe painful, hurtful things, hard things. Does do this with great patience. How you saying you might have to do this for a while. And careful teaching. Why? Why? Because it's never too late to share the good news. Guys, I just wonder today what criminals are getting from you and I. What message are they getting from you and I? Somehow this criminal got the message from Jesus that it's not too late for him. What are we giving? What kind of impression are we giving people who just, they're a mess. They're a mess. And they need Jesus. Years ago, um, my wife came home with a tape uh, from a ladies' retreat years ago. I think it was Louisville. Ann Lucas was the speaker. And Ann Lucas shared an experience she had with a neighbor. Her neighbor lived with her for years, and she's talking to her neighbor, and every time, every, every week, she'd invite her neighbor to church. Every week, she'd invite her neighbor to her cross-chat or her evangelistic Bible study. They had a little discussion group. And she would invite her neighbor whenever there were events coming up. And every time, she'd say, No, 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 no. No. I remember one time I invited somebody to a... We had a chili supper at our small group, and he said, I'm not coming to your chili revival. <laughs> what? What does that mean? You know? No. You guys to hear him. You say, hey, would you... No. Well, they say yes, but their actions say no. They don't show up. No. No. This has gone on for several years. Several years. Till finally, Ann said... I went over and I talked to her, and I said, Hey, we're having church this Sunday... I'll, I'll drive you. And she said, I'd love to go. And she said yes to Ann, but she said yes to Jesus. And Ann said something like this, said something like, I just wonder what would have happened if I'd have stopped with one of those other no's. It is never too late to share good news. you got somebody right now, you've... I had somebody tell me, uh, uh, told me uh, after the first service, i got a couple of people on my list that I've given up on. And, I, and I'd say, I'll tell you what I said to the first service. I'll say to you too. You need to get them back on your prayer list. You need to get them back on your radar. Because it's never too late. Long as there's breath, long as there's a heartbeat, you've got a shot at it. Don't waste it. Also, I see something else. It's never too bad to change my life. That's the second thing I notice. You know, this guy, we don't know how old he was. We do not know how old this, this, this thief was. We do know that he sure made a mess out of himself. I mean, can you imagine? How did I end up here? You know, did I play with the wrong kids in the neighborhood? Is that what happened? Mom wasn't watching? She looked the other way, and next thing you know, I'm with some troublemakers, or was it high school? You know, where was it? It happened, you know. Was it after I graduated high school and got into college, and then I got it messed up? Was it a marriage that married the wrong person? I mean, who knows what it was? Something happened, and this guy, this innocent kid, becomes this, this thug. This thug. 
You know, uh, these criminals are not your everyday cat burglars. These are not the kind of guys that wait till you're asleep and sneak into your house or wait till you're out of town and break into your house. Those are kind of cowardly. They don't want anybody around, see? They might get hurt. These guys are not like this at all. They, the Greek definition behind this word criminal is, it, it goes like this. One who uses violence to rob openly. In other words, to do it in broad daylight. They've got the guts and the wherewithal in broad daylight to come in and take what they want. And if they have to kill you to do it, they will. And these guys did. That's what they were guilty of. Armed robbery and murder. Talk about a bad situation. These guys have had a bad life. They're in a bad place. They're, they're being crucified. The, the, the worst kind of way to be executed is crucifixion. Check it out. It's a slow, suffering death. Some, some, some scholars believe that these two rascals were a part of Barabbas' group. Remember Barabbas? He was the guy that was, remember, let go, and so Jesus would take his place. That, that he and these two, two guys, they were like a gang, and they were caught, and they were all going to die together. You know, here, think about it. Here we are at, at Calvary, and the crowd starts insulting him. The, it says the teachers, it says in one of the other gospels, the teachers of the law and the chief priests start mocking him. The soldiers walk up and start giving Jesus the business, and then the criminals start talking. Why are they talking? Why are they? It's like the pressure of their culture and the pressure of their peers turn them against Jesus too. I mean, it's one thing to be, you don't kick, you know, kicking a good man when he's down, but another down man kicking a man when he's down? That's just crazy. This is a hopeless situation. It says in Matthew 27, the two criminals also said cruel things to Jesus. So both of them are giving Jesus insults and mockery. These guys, listen to me, these guys have lived a gangster lifestyle all their lives. But something happens. Something happens. One of them kind of like wakes up from this blindness or spiritual sleep and he realizes, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm dying here. This guy, I've been watching, doesn't seem to have done anything wrong. Wait a minute! This guy's innocent. What am I going to do? I can't do anything! I'm either tied or nailed to this cross. And I can't get off of it. He can't... You know, he can't... Guys, what are you trying to say to him? I'm trying to say that the, this thief couldn't do anything to save himself. He is helpless and he realizes it. And so he says, Jesus... By the way, why do we, Jesus... What's his name mean? Savior. One who saves. Savior. 
That's why his parents gave him the name. God gave him that name. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself from us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly for getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know, it's hours before death. Guys, my brother reminded me he listened to somebody talking about the lies we tell ourselves. All the, if we could just quit lying to ourselves, these lies, you can't do anything, you can't be anything, you can't change that, you're a mess, you're a loser, so-and-so was right when they said that, and look at you. We say these things, and the criminal could easily say, look at me, look what's happening, look what I've done in my life, I've been taking for years, and look, I'm paying for it now, what a waste, I, it's too late for me, it's too late for me. He could say that real easy. It's too bad for me to change anything. I couldn't change anything anyway because I can't get off this cross. I can't say, Jesus, I'll tell you what, uh, get, get me off this cross and I'll go back and give back all the money I've ever taken from people. If you give me a chance, I'll, I'll come off this cross and, I'll, and just take me off the cross for a second and I can go and I can make amends and, 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 and make, make peace with people and make everything right. He can't do that. He's not allowed to do that. It's so bad. But something happens. Something changes. Guys, this is what's... Think about this. What changes in this man? His heart. Not his, it was his actions changed too. He quit insulting. You're right. He quit thinking that, you know, he, he quit trying to get out of his crime. He finally admits his sinfulness. That's right. And he sees Jesus like he truly is. That's right. And it all came from what? His heart. He changed his heart. And by the way, those things that he does, it's like, are from his heart repenting. If going to church and reading your Bible and, you know, not kicking your dog after work or whatever, all these good things we're supposed to do, if they saved you, Jesus would have listed them out, but they weren't the things that saved you. The Bible does say we're saved by grace, not by works so no one can boast. I want to remind you, the works that he's talking about are the works we do after we're saved. They don't save us. But this man did something to get forgiveness from Jesus. He changed his heart. It's never too bad. You're never too far gone. He goes from being a guy... Guys, because he met Jesus, it changes his view about himself and about the Lord. About life. He realizes it doesn't really end, but it goes on and on. I want to say it again. No one is ever too far gone. No one is ever too bad to come to Jesus. Do you believe that? Maybe about yourself, but about your friends. Oh, Tim, they're too far gone. No, they're not. It's not too late to share the gospel. And they're not too bad to change. The Apostle Paul, 
is an example of somebody who was really bad that changed. Would you agree with that? In, in 1 Timothy 1, it's up here on the screen. Look what he says, how true it is and how I long that everyone should know it. What do you want him to know? Everybody needs to know this, Tim. What is it? That Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. And I was the greatest of them all. No, I think, Paul, I think I could beat that. You might say that. I think I'm worse. He'd say, we'll get into a big bragging contest about how evil you are. You're going to lose. Paul says, I'm the worst. And I'm an example, he says. But God, I love that. I remember Gary talking about buttology, that word but. But God... Now we can learn from the topic of budology. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as an example to show everyone. Does that include you and me? How patient he is with even the worst sinners so that others will realize that they too can have eternal life. You might say, you might, Paul's saying, you may think you're the worst sinner. I, I got you beat. I killed Christians. I was a part of a group of people on this planet, a group of men that went around beheading and killing and stoning Christians long before you ever heard of that group that's currently going doing that now. I was killing Christians as fast as I could find them. I was making sure they'd go into prison. I was, a, I was bad. And people would have said, he's too far gone. In fact, wasn't one of them named Ananias say, I've heard about this man and the bad things he has done. Are you sure, God? Are you sure? Yes, and I'm going to show him how, he must, how much he must suffer in my name. I like that part. Okay, I'm in. I'm joking. But he does say that. How much I'm going to suffer, he's going to suffer. And, and Paul does. You know, don't you wish sometimes, you ever felt like this, if I could just get a time machine, I could go back in time and I could write all the wrongs I ever did. Wouldn't it be so cool if you could do that? You can't. I can't, you can't, but someone has. And that's Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's in your yesterdays, in your todays, and your tomorrows. It says in Isaiah 53, I'm going to look at verse 11 here. I just noticed he was buried like a criminal. He was treated like a criminal. And notice it says here in verses 11 through 12, it, it describes Jesus Christ and what Jesus is going to feel after he's crucified. After his soul suffers many things, he will see life and be satisfied. My good servant will make many people right with God. Praise the Lord. My good servant will make many people right with God. What kind of people? Many people. Well, what kind? Many. Well, what kind? Good, bad, real bad, too far gone. For this reason, I'll make him great among people. Can I ask you a question this morning? Is Jesus great in your heart? Or is he okay? Is he great? Because God wants you to see how great He is. Is He great in your heart? And He will share in all things with those who are strong. He's talking about people who persevere. He willingly gave His life and was treated like a criminal. But He carried away the sins of many people and asked forgiveness of those who sinned. What's He saying here? Jesus became the criminal of your crimes, of my crimes. He became guilty. 
so that no matter what you've done or how long you've done it, it's never too late, it's never too bad for you to change. Something beautiful can happen in, in a bad place when Jesus is there. When you bring Jesus into your life, I'm going to tell you, no matter how bad it is, He'll make it good. He'll make it good. Here's the third thing, and then I'm going to leave you alone this morning. It's never too hard to come to Jesus. I need to hear that. It's never too hard. Is it difficult? Of course it's difficult. But it's not impossible. It's never too hard. This criminal could have thought, not in a million years can I get out of this. Not in a million years can I make this better. Not in a million years can... can..." Wait a minute. That's the Messiah? And here I thought it was all over. And it can just begin. Because He's with me. He's near me. You know, Jesus one time was talking to His disciples, said how hard it was for a rich man to go to heaven. He said it's hard for... It's like a a camel going through the eye of a needle. And and there's a lot of interpretation about what that means. The remark, it says, confounded the disciples. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently. He says, listen to me. He's very intent about this. And He says, humanly speaking, no one. It's impossible. But with God... Everything is possible. This criminal by himself can't get anything done. But with Jesus, he can. He can. He can come to, he can come to Jesus. Guys, who makes it difficult? Why is it why is sometimes it seems so difficult to become a Christian? Who in the world is making it difficult? You know, Jesus made salvation very simple. So who is it that makes it so difficult? Could it be that we make it so difficult? We have to have all of our ducks in a row. There's all these hoops you've got to jump through. Now, I'm saying there's things we need to know before we become a Christian, of course. But I can't do the things that God calls me to do without having a relationship with Him in the first place. And yet this guy, he's, uh, Ryan reminded me of this this morning. If it was hard for Jesus, if He had to push against pain... To speak, did the thief have to push against pain to speak? I would, yeah, Sharon, I agree. I think so. Yeah, he's, is it hard for him? Hard for him to say, Lord, help me? Hard for him to admit he's powerless? Hard for him to swallow his pride and his arrogance and his, and his self-sufficiency? Is it hard for him? I've Warren Wiersbe said that when you look at this guy and you see that he is... He begins to change. His faith makes him go, I'm no longer going with the crowd. And that he quits insulting Jesus and begs Jesus, sees his own sinfulness, is, is finally aware of his own sinfulness, says, you know, I'm, I'm a mess. And, and then on top of that, puts his faith in a dying king. He says, that's got to be amazing faith. It is. It is truly amazing. You see, salvation is not based on the criminal's goodness. I, I, wrote, I saw one sermon, The Good Criminal is what it was called. That was the title, The Good Criminal. Huh? This is not, this is not you know, Shawshank Redemption 
What are you in for, Andy? I didn't kill anybody. Well, we're all innocent. No, we're not. Remember what Red said? I'm the only guilty man in Shawshank. Yeah, I committed murder. And Andy Dufresne, who is innocent, gets out. And everybody goes, way to go, Andy. You got through that. You crawled through that sewer. You made it. Your own goodness pulled you out. And you remember, it wasn't his goodness that pulled him out. It was hope. Hope is a powerful thing. And what is the hope in this criminal? His hope is in a dying king. He places his faith and his expectations into a dying king. It's not the criminal's goodness that saves him, folks. It's God's goodness that saves him. We have to remember that. So when we're studying with people or we're talking to people and they start being rude to you and I, or they start rejecting you and I, they start rejecting Jesus, we don't cop an attitude and walk away. But not be surprised by it. That's what people do. That's what criminals do. All you got to do is remember when you used to do it. Maybe you still do. <laughs> It's the God's goodness, and it's only God's goodness that's going to save people. I love this verse. Today, you will be with me in paradise. There's three points. There's a lot of sermon right there. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Not tomorrow, not someday. Today. I want to, I want to shift things just a little bit here and get you to see something. A lot of people think this may be, this is kind of like a, a deathbed conversion. You know what I'm talking about, deathbed conversion? You ever been with those? I had a guy one time who had cancer, and his name was Jess, and, I, and his body is just mangled with cancer. And I'm at his house, and he says, I said, Jess, would you like to be baptized? We had studied the Bible. Yes. And we get him in a wheelchair, guys. We wheel him in to this big jacuzzi, this bathtub, and we're filling it up. And I'm looking at him. He's got a some, kind of a grin on his face like, I know I'm doing this. I said, man, praise God, this is great. And as we're filling it up, he dies in his wheelchair. Or he dies. He starts turning gray. And everybody starts, what's going on? And he dies. He's literally two feet from water. What, what do you think happened to him, Tim? I'm going to let God judge that one. I've got to let God judge that one. But it's tragic if we wait. We think, oh, this guy gives me an out. I can wait, and people can wait until they're about dead to become Christians. That's not what this passage is trying to say. It's not trying to say wait until you're dead. See, a lot of people think that this may have been this, this guy's last opportunity he had. But we have no evidence that this man knew Jesus. This could very well be his first opportunity. And he takes it. So what are you trying to say, Tim? I'm trying to say to you, all we have is now. I don't have yesterday. Heck, I don't even have an hour ago. Has it been an hour? Sorry. You know, an hour ago. I don't have yesterday. You don't have yesterday. 
It's all sawdust is what once somebody told me one time. It's just sawdust. We don't have the future. All we have is now. And I think it's really cool that Jesus says today. Today. You've got now right now. I've only got a few more hours left. Probably three hours left before he's going to be killed. Darkness is about to come. Three hours left. And he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today you can be with me in this wonderful place where I am. And the man takes it. You know, the Bible says in Psalms 95, verse 7, this is not up here, but it's in your Bible if you want to look at it. Psalms 95, verse 7, it says, Today when you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Why? Because all you got is today. And what I learned from the criminal is, whether I'm a Christian or not, I need to change. My opportunity is now. Not yesterday and not tomorrow. But now. Isaiah 45, the Bible says, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. He doesn't say later. It's obvious. He's saying, I want you to do that now. Turn now. In, in 2 Corinthians 6, Paul said, I heard you at the right time and I gave you help on the day of salvation. I tell you that the right time is now. The day of salvation is now. You've got now. I don't know if this makes any sense. I tried it in the first service and they kind of nodded their head. I think they just wanted me to hurry up and get done. But, but guys, yeah, thanks, Pat. Here's, here's what I'm saying. You and I have only now. Right? Do you know people who are lost only have now as well? And God's trying to bring those two nows together. Does that make sense now? Now? <laughs> Does that make sense? All we've got is now. Right now, your friends that aren't here, your friends that aren't Christians, your friends that are lost, your friends that, that are just... Uh, a mess of friends friends that think it's too bad to change it's too late to hear anything have right now what are you going to do with your now and their now what will you do with it now they need to hear from you now why because today is the day of salvation they only have is now will they meet entirely up to you Praise God. Jesus showed us. He brought what He had that day to a man. What He had that day, and it changed His life for eternity. So, you got a thief here that says, I surrender. you got a thief here that says, No, I don't surrender. I'm stubborn. Which are you? Which are you this morning? Which will you be? I pray that you'll surrender. It's not too late. It's not too bad. And it's not too hard when Jesus is there. Let's pray. God, thank you for what a powerful passage, Lord. Man, there's a lot of stuff in there. And Father, I know there are people here, you know, no one has to say you're guilty of something. They're quick to admit it. Father, I pray that, that you know they come to you with their guilt and shame, and 
and leave a, and, and they can leave you you today they can leave this place today with you guiltless and shameless and forgiven and saved Lord I pray that for those of us here you know we have friends that we've given up on oh God help us repent help us imitate your son Jesus who at his last hour was still reaching out and trying to save others Father who is it that needs us now right now today who needs us today to start taking steps to share the gospel with them who needs us now Father in their life you're wanting to use us like you did Jesus right today to touch somebody to begin the process of them finding paradise Father we've taken people off our list we've, some of us here we know, I, I know I'm one of them I've given up on some people Father, I want, to know, I want you to know right now, we just, we're deciding right now, if they're back on our prayer list, they're back on our radar, and we're, Father, we're going to continue to look for opportunity. Father, for some of us here, we may think it's too bad to change. Father, change our minds. Let us see. Let us see. If you can save a criminal, if you can save a murderer, you can save and you can, you can change an addict. You can change someone depressed. You can change someone discouraged. You can change someone's frayed. You can change someone, Father, that's selfish. Lord, let us see. It's, it's never too bad to, to change. And Father, I pray that we see with you it's not impossible to come into your kingdom. That you, your Son made it possible Father, we pray we will find ways to believe this strongly and ways to share that with others. That humanly, humanly speaking, we cannot save ourselves. We're tied down, nailed down. But with you, we're set free. You make all the difference. Help us meet you today, Jesus. Help us meet you and know how good you are. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.